Welcome back to another week of Wind Against Tide. This week, Joseph and I become hard-hitting news journalists as we're joined by good friend Mark Sully Sullivan. I'm going to introduce Sully quickly. He is probably best known as 2011 T-Tree champ. Oh, yeah. I heard, I, I heard the screams down the uh, Hastings channel when he'd done it. So. Um, amongst many other things, but Sully... Was a Melbourneian like the rest of us, had a gut full of it and he's made the move up to Queensland. So he comes to us from sunny old Queensland. How you going, Mark? I'm good, boys. Good, Dave. Good, Joey. How are you? Very well, mate. Good to have you on the show. So whereabouts in Queensland are you living these days? Uh, I'm living about 5K south of Brisbane CBD, so probably about 20 minutes to the water. Yep, beautiful. And as, a, as um, cold, wet Melbournians... Do you think it's uh, worth us all migrating up there to join you? Uh, I would say not, mate. Probably um, pretty terrible up here. Weather's terrible. Uh, fishing's terrible. I think you should all stay there. No, <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> nah, all good today, boys. 35 degrees, sun's out. Uh, been a great day. Ah, you bastard. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, thanks for joining us, Sully. So the reason we actually have you on today is um, oh, it's quite a serious um, story you have to tell us. You were recently out for a day's fishing uh, out of Brisbane. Is that where you went out of on this occasion? Yeah, 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 just out of the local ramp there at Manly, yep, Morton Bay. And uh, you had a really life-changing event occur, but I guess to sort of set the scene, you were just out on a normal day game fishing. Uh, what, what were you chasing on the day? Yeah, 100%, Dave, yeah. So pretty much, um, yeah, we set out probably a bit later than normal, uh, out sort of trying to get a Queensland swordfish. So, um, oh, wow. yeah, set the scene. We Yeah, we, uh, we've we had a few caught. They're, they're kept very quiet and probably not as much as you guys get down there. But, um, yeah, set the scene. Nice morning. Uh, wind forecast was up the shit as normal. Uh, we had about 15 knots of wind. And, uh, yeah, we, we moseyed on out there and, and took our time. And, um, yeah, that, then it all chill, sort of changed forever that afternoon. Yeah, right. So how far out did you go that day obviously chasing swordfish you're out over the shelf how far is that up your way yeah so long way out um dave so pretty much uh you're looking at about 45 nautical miles from the ramp so we we go through um morton bay which would be your equivalent of say uh stony point to flinders yep um yeah so we, we set out there and um yeah, hit a bit of wind and uh, and just took it easy. We thought we'd we'd stick to the plan and um, yeah, so it's probably about another thirty mile uh, to the to the shelf really where we we decided we wanted to fish. Okay, and the fishing you were saying was um, fairly uneventful, uh, but it, it kind of turned for the worse on the on the way in. So, do you want to explain a little bit about what happened there when you were coming in that night? Yeah, so yeah, standard trip. Uh, so I had a buddy with me, Dan, uh, got out to the shelf, uh, set a few rods out and um, yeah, things weren't just going the way it was meant to go. Obviously, you know, more wind, uh, managed to snap another rod tip, uh, taking a deep drop weight off. So that was uh, a bit of fun, you know, Dan, we snapped the rod. <laughs> Dan was also telling me uh, he was actually going to pull the pin um, due to a bit of gout and bad sleep from the night before. So the indicators were there, but yeah. Um, yeah, so the wind backed off and, um, you know, we finally got some decent fishing for the last three hours. Roughly about 4.30pm, we decided to pull the pin and uh, and head in, you know, we admitted defeat. 
and um, for us, we go out through the South Passage Bar, which is is pretty treacherous bar out here. Uh, so we just wanted to get in by dark. So um, you know, packed up out of there at four thirty, thirty uh, thirty mile run, and uh, I think so, it was getting. So can I ask you what what boat are you in these days, uh, Bud? Yeah, so so I was in a uh, a five point two Kevlar cap, which is pretty much a nineteen foot. Um, yeah, so a little cat, but um, but definitely very capable. Yeah, seaworthy vessel for sure. Mm, so yeah, so yeah, pretty much yeah, pulled the pin, started heading in. Uh, everything was all good, and uh, I think we got to about oh, I'd say probably six, seven miles from Point Lookout, which is uh, kind of like Cape Shank. You know, you got the lighthouse and a, and a bit of a headland. Yep, uh, would have been another ten, twenty mile into the um, the actual bar that we had to cross. And uh, we saw some whales in the distance and, um, yeah, long story short, you know, oh, goddamn whales, you know, we've got to keep an eye on them and, you know, we're in a good mood, you know, we hadn't had a beer, doing all the right things and, um, you know, we're like, no, we'll send it. So good speed for that boat um, in a little bit of a quarter and sea was about probably 20 knots. So, yeah, 20 to 22 knots uh, heading in. Sun, uh, unfortunately, when you go out in the, in the east, it's in our eyes and then coming back in to the west, it's in our eyes and, um, yep. yeah, literally – Came off a swell and um, had a had a look in front and um, and all of a sudden there was a gigantic whale subsurface um, just under the boat. Yep. Wow. So did you see so, this whale before impact or you first you knew that the boat came to a halt? Uh, no. So so we did. Yeah. So it was a, a couple of seconds. I I yelled out to Dan. I said, you know, a few f words and oh my god, an f and whale and and we braced, but um, but just no time to pull back on the throttles or or react or do anything. And um, yeah, yeah we were you know twenty two knots at forty k. Um, once we we hit the whale, uh, we were just trajected towards the um. I think I hit the dash in between where it meets the clears and the windscreen. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, at um, just a sudden stop, you know, over over no distance at all. So yeah, I just remember a, a massive thud on my um, on my jaw and, and cheeks, and um, yeah, we sort of came to, and and I looked up, and Dan had a face full of blood, and and I was the same pretty much. So Jeez. yeah, pretty pretty horrific. So that was kind of um, step one. Yeah, that was that was oh god, so, you know, look what's happened. So you were actually knocked out. Is that what you're saying, both of you? Uh, I wouldn't say knocked out, just a bit dazed and in a bit of shock, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we, we sort of looked at each other and went, oh, God, that's no good, you know, what, what do we do next kind of thing and trying to gather ourselves. And uh, I got a little tap on the shoulder from Dan. Dan looked up the front of the hull and uh, he's like, mate, we've got water coming in. So it um, oh. turns out there was probably a, a metre-by-metre hole in the port side hull, uh, which then oh. led to it going from just a little incident to, um, you know, oh, shit, we're in a bit of trouble here. Yep, yep. So what was your next movement? Yes, yeah, so our next move uh, was pretty much um, just motor astern. So we, we got the motors down um, and then sort of started backing up towards land just to try and keep that water out of the hull. And, yep. you know, at, at this stage we, we thought we were we were ready to sink. So we started motoring astern. Um, Dan got on to Mayday. I sort of couldn't talk to later to find on. I, I had uh, a shattered jaw in three spots. Oh, wow. Uh, Ended up with 12, uh, 12 screws and plates in my jaw and, um, yeah, so Dan got onto the Mayday. We'll get into that later, but Dan got onto the Mayday and, um, you know, just the, the shock of it all, you know, Dan's phone was flat. Um, I forgot all the boat regos and all the boat details for to help Dan with the Mayday and it just got to a point there where I was like, you know, this is not getting any better and um, I just decided to hit the EPIRB. That yep. was uh, 
just a split second, you know, this is it. It's got to happen. Good mm-hmm. move. Yep. Yeah. So and, that, mm-hmm. and and so you hit the yeah. EPIRB and then what happened next? Was it was it helicopters and sirens and, and rescue or did it take a little while or did you get some contact over the radio first? No, it was pretty pretty unbelievable from the guys there in Canberra from the uh, the answer uh, home base. So pretty much Dan was still on uh, on Mayday to VMR. Um, Canberra called me and, you know, yeah, I just confirmed that we had been in an accident and um, were taking on water and they were just unbelievable, you know, the, the support and, you know, tried to keep us calm. Obviously, we, we did quite well in, in you know, in the circumstances. But, um, yeah, just, just tried to keep us calm. I'm pretty sure within about 20 minutes the first chopper arrived, uh, one of three. Wow. Um, which is which is unbelievable, you know. So um, once that chopper arrived, it was really just like, okay, things should be okay. Uh, but at the same stage, we, we thought we were sinking. But, um, yeah, so pretty much, yeah, the, the chopper arrived and um, by this time it was dark, uh, fully dark, you know. We'd, we'd missed that run in through the bar and, um, yeah, they just wanted to get the details and, you know, let us know the chopper was on the way. And uh, there was also another couple there. In the meantime, I was getting calls from the water police, uh, Brisbane Water Police, who also turned out to be fantastic. They actually called the owner of Kevlicat and confirmed that my model boat uh, wouldn't fully sink, uh, which was really nice to hear. There was wow, yeah. uh, positive buoyancy. Yeah, yeah nice. I, I had no idea. Yeah, positive buoyancy and um, and it wouldn't fully sink, so that really gave us a bit of comfort as well. But, um, yeah. yeah, in between all the... The commotion, you know, we we're, were just trying to get life jackets on and any kind of lighting we could. Uh, obviously, pitch black and chopper above. We're sort of, you know, having a signal out to the chopper and, um, yeah, try and just get any kind of, um, you know, light ourselves up in, in any way. But um, the, the thing that really sort of hits home the most with this is the, you know, trying to find the life jackets, um, trying to find all the safety gear. I had, you know, trauma kits there, which I could have wrapped ourselves up with. Um, you know, but they're all just floating around the hull and, you know, there were swordfish sinkers and deep drop sinkers and fishing gear all over my safety gear. So it um, yep. became quite uh, quite distressing at that time, yeah. yeah well, Everything's just all mixed up after a collision like that, isn't it? Yeah, 100%, Joey, yeah. We, we had water up to our knees really and, um, yeah, you think you've got a pretty well-organised boat and, and all the right gear and, um, you know, life jackets were, were sort of tangled and weren't working and, you um, yeah, just not being able to remember. Uh, Dan had his phone. I think his phone went flat. He, he just wanted to call his mum and oh. um, just let her know. And um, he, he couldn't even remember the one phone number that he knows off by heart. You know, we, we were just in that much shock in that shock, he, he yeah. couldn't even remember it. Yeah, unbelievable. It's a it's a big lesson. I mean, like, as you say, we're all super organised with our game fishing, but the safety gear can sometimes be a bit of an afterthought. So it's. Um, I hope that... Well, I think part of the aim of you coming on and telling this story tonight is that people might sit back and I know I already am and think about some changes they can make to the safety of their own vessel. Yeah, 100%, Dave. Yeah, so that, that's what this is all about. You know, if I can, um, if it can happen to me, it can happen to anyone. You know, I've done probably about 6,000 hours on the water all up now and um, I would think I'm, um, you know, a reasonable skipper and um, and once something like that happens, uh, all reality and thought just goes out the window so you just got to do what you can do but um with the helicopters they they were talking about doing a sea rescue obviously with the winch and and up into the helicopter but um they decided that would probably add a bit more risk um to the rescue so they didn't um so with the water police they were like you know we've got three uh 
three search and rescue boats on their way out. You know, if you look to the west, you should uh, should see the nav lights on the way out. And all up, it was about probably 45 minutes before they got to us, which is an amazing effort for a, you know, probably, what, 40, 40 50K run to get to us through a bar in the dark. Amazing. Um, yeah, so it's just really nice, you know. You're, you're very lonely out there and it's it's dark and it's just you and your mate and you've had this big um, big incident. And, uh, yeah, so while we were sort of waiting for all the, um, the government services to, to arrive, um, I, I decided I'd sit down the back of the motor, keep the weight down down the back so we could keep motoring astern. And um, the water police actually said, you know, whatever you do, don't don't try and beach that vessel so it doesn't sink. And, and that was all I was planning to do. In my mind, it was yeah. it was get that boat to the beach. And, um, yeah, it turns out that would have been a, a terrible thing to do with um, – with waves and and whatever else and could have got thrown into the water so mm. yeah managed to get the support from those guys um you know vmr they, they just kept checking in and, and it's just yeah unbelievable just the support but um yeah so that was that was that i managed to call my mate from work and let him know i wouldn't be in tomorrow so that was uh that was a bit of a <laughs> yeah yeah a bit soft that was a bit of a funny one so um yeah, I did that, and and probably you know, in all seriousness, the next phone call was probably the hardest I had to make. Uh, so I I called my wife, um, you know, just let her know that I'd had an accident. She's like, oh, why are you, why are you talking funny, you know? And I, well, I've, I think I've just shattered my jaw, and I've knocked out a, a couple of teeth and chipped a heap of teeth, and you know, I just wanted to let her know that you know the chopper was there and and we were coming home. So I thought it'd be a really good idea, and. Uh, after that, when the kids were on speaker and they all started bawling and say, Daddy's going to die, um, <laughs> turned out not to be such a great, great oh, idea, yeah. boys. No. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to let them know that, you know, just in case it did go the wrong way, I, I loved them and, and, you know, I'd do everything I can to get home. And um, just, you know, amazing adrenaline really like, um, you know, if, yeah, if I was to knock someone's teeth out, it, it would hurt and break your jaw. But uh, honestly, I didn't didn't feel a bit of, a bit of pain until the next day. But, um, yeah, so the next phone call was to a good friend of the show and, and mate of mine, Darren Moore. So Darren spent a fair bit of time in the Coast Guard. Yep. Old Dazza, we know him well. And um, and that was to undo the, the bad work I'd just done with the wife. So Darren was very instrumental in calming her down and, and right. letting her know I'd be home. Yeah, he's yeah. a good man, Darren. He's been on the uh, show before and uh, one of the friendliest people you could ever meet. So, yeah, a very good person to have in your corner in that situation. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think it's very important too just to um, have a think about who you do register on your EPIRB, you know, make sure you've got the right people there and they're cool and calm in those situations. And, um, yeah, I think it's very important just to just to reassess who you have got on there as, as notifiables. Yeah. So should I – I'll take Joe off because I don't know <laughs> – you can trust him. <laughs> no, Take that off, mate. <laughs> Wait, no, but, so but, no, on, on the EPUB, like you can select who you can uh, you can notify. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, yep. You've got your um contact your emergency contacts on there. So yeah, another very important thing to do is to make sure that your EPUB's all up to date, obviously, because that was sounds like it was the main factor in getting a fast response for you, Sally. Yeah, 100%, mate. Yeah, I think that, you know, things were a little bit slow with the May Day from, you know, just trying to get all the details. And I think we ended up, um, you know, going up to Redcliffe, which is a fair bit north due to all the, the you know, the, the cliffs blocking us. So, um, I, you know, once we saw the water coming in as bad as it was, and, and at that stage we thought we were 100% sinking. So for me it was a no-brainer to hit that EPIRB. But, um, yeah, no, amazing, a bit of equipment. And, uh 
Yeah, so that was um, that was pretty much that. We were all wet and blood all over the boat and everything floating around. I had to kind of move a bit of weight down to the back of the boat and, um, yeah, that led us to the um, the next stage of the rescue, which was the first uh, Raby Bay VMR boat, which, uh, which arrived there. And, um, you know, that was just such a nice feeling oh, for the support to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Basically, um, they just ripped us onto their boat. And just said, "Get your keys and your phone, and um, you know we'll we'll get on and assess you." And uh, yeah, the first patient they looked at was me, uh, ninety mil gash on the jaw. Um, apparently, my lip had sunk back into the mouth, and the, the jaw and the bottom teeth were actually out the gash in my chin. Oh, um, oh my gosh! Yeah, which in all credit to Dan, um, it was pretty funny. I'm like, why is Dan not looking at me? Like, is he? is he pissed off that I've, I've hit him into a whale and, and, and this has happened? And, um, you know, I thought I thought he had the shits with me and um, Dan actually levelled with me a week later because we asked each other, you know, how we look, we, we all right? And, yeah, mate, yeah, you're good, you're good. And, uh, <laughs> it turns out Dan was going to vomit for the whole two hours of the rescue <laughs> and, and couldn't look at me. So, <laughs> yeah, so no, but very good for my spirit and, and helping get me get through it. I think if he had told me what was going on, I think it would have been all over for me mentally and, uh, yeah, yeah. You don't even have time to think about the process. What's happened? <laughs> like it happened so quick. Yeah, and, and it did, Joey. You know, it did. It happened so quick, and you know, you just never think anything like this could happen to you. And um, yeah, it's the last thing you expect after a, a shitty day sword fishing. But um, but running in, and you know, beautiful afternoon. It had sort of glassed out a bit by then, and um, yeah, just just something you wouldn't think would happen to you. But I think it's an incredible story to share. Like right now in Melbourne, there's absolute uh, barrel tuna fever and there's plenty and plenty of whales um, out in the ocean at the minute so uh, yeah I think it's very relevant as to what's happening in in Melbourne at the minute. Mm. Yeah for sure and and you know they're the same whales that, that migrate you know all the way down there all the way up here and um, you know I just think that uh, we've been very lucky uh, in Victoria for, for not having any strikes you'd be very surprised the amount of people have reached out and, and told me that they have had a near miss or they have had a minor hit in Victoria, um, which just doesn't get spoken about. There's a bit of a stigma around, you know, having a boating accident, like, oh, can, can you believe this has happened and he's done this or whatever? But, yeah, honestly, no shame, freak accident. And, um, you know, oh, yeah. if I can help one person in, a, in an instance like this and my, my job's done, I don't want it to happen to anyone, yeah. So is that, yeah, it sounds like there was absolutely nothing you could do. So, so once you got pulled aboard the VMR vessel... Or was it VMR or Coast Guard that first reached you, sorry? Yeah, so no, VMR, Raby yeah, Bay yeah. got there first. Yep. I believe the Water Police and the Coast Guard were next. Yep. Um, yeah, so put us on, patched us up, and, um, yeah, the funny thing was Dan had never had a cigarette in his life, and the captain's like, mate, you guys have gone through hell. I think you, I think you need a smoke, you know? <laughs> and uh, there was no way I was even having a cigarette. I couldn't even get it in my mouth. I had no mouth by that stage. I was wrapped up like like a mummy from Egypt, but um, yeah, so Dan's like, yeah, yeah, I'll have a cigarette and yeah, pretty much uh, I think he had one drag, coughed his guts up and went, whoa, well, that'll be enough of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so no, we, we really just waited on word from the water police. They were the main control point. Um, they decided that the, the vessel would be too damaged and, and unseaworthy to tow it back through the bar at night. Um, so they pretty much, yeah, just went and wrapped a heap of boys and fenders on the vessel and um, you know, I was just looking at my boat that I put so much work into and money and, uh, you know, watching it disappear before my eyes, you know, with, uh, with probably 30 grand of gear on the boat, which is, uh, which is sad to see, you know, but, um, 
yeah, we're live at this point. So it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I suppose that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Joey's Whiskey Club went down the wrong way. Um, <clears throat> so I suppose, uh, yeah, th- these things um, become quite insignificant. But but you did only just get that boat not long before that. Is that right? Yeah, no, 100%, Dave, yeah. So, um, yeah, probably three to four months before. So I was still in the stage of fitting it out how I wanted it. And it's always the way, mate, you get your boat right for the next person before you sell it or before you lose it. And, um, unfortunately, that's that's what's happened here. But, you know, it is what it is. It can be replaced and, um, you know, we, we move on. And has it been like dealing with uh, the insurance um, with with all that stuff? Yeah, no, look, they've been really good, Joey. I, I can't really disclose too much. Yeah, that's um, fair enough. But um, just still going through all the claim process now. But, um, but no, they've, they've been really good, really supportive. And, um, you know, I just hope it, it stays that way. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, probably just a lesson for everyone and, you know, something I never thought to do was, was keep receipts, scan receipts and, and have photos of all your gear, really, because, um, you know, it's been so hard and so much work to try and prove all the gear that we lost. Yep. Yeah, definitely. No, they've had a similar, like, well, they've had a, an accident where fishing gear has been lost and definitely, yeah, that is fantastic advice to, uh, you know, some of those high-ticket items to keep a copy of your, your receipts um, yeah. and, and take even pictures of it as well. Uh, absolutely. I might just go down to the tackle yeah, no. store and take a photo of the whole real cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, yeah, this is my gear here, guys. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, but um, but no, the other thing I kind of want to share with your um, your listeners, boys, is uh, is probably just the insurance of the vessel. So I'm not too sure if you guys have, have taken out insurance lately, um, any of you boys. But yeah, it's pretty much comes down to. Aren't people grossly underinsured at the moment because uh, you know everything's gone up? Yeah, exactly, and it's sort of similar with what's happened here for me, Joey. So they pretty much got me to value the the boat, motor, and trailer. Um, you know, I looked at the whole thinking, oh, you know, an old Kepler Cat um, rebuilt. It's probably you know thirty five k. It's worth. And um, yeah, so the hardest part, and what I want to get across to your listeners is um, is make sure you you insure it properly for the hull because it turns out anything attached to that hull, Joey, is what you're insured for. So electronics, uh, outriggers, bases, landing posts, tackle stations, anything that's attached to that hull is in that in that value. Yeah, okay. So a good idea for people at home to just revisit their insurance policy and make sure that they've got the correct value registered for that. Yeah, 100%, you know. So, yeah, we're, we're probably down about, you know, 10 10k there and then obviously the the insurance for the rods and the reels is is where i'm struggling with the hard one because uh you know i've got home and contents but just nothing insured for out of the house and um yeah yeah, i'd I'd love to hear i'd love to hear if anyone can actually come through with a a good idea for insuring that stuff i've heard it it really puts your premiums up and you can only really insure for a certain price so i'd love to know what your listeners are doing gosh you can't help but think about it like i guess it's permanent fixtures and fittings to the hull you know that could be electronics that can be uh, marlin tubes that could be pie ovens that could be (laughs) webbers like you can fix so many things to a trailer boat uh nowadays you know snapper racks stainless like yeah, that's um, that's a really good point you bring up there, Sully. Yeah, no, list definitely goes on there, boys. But um, but yeah, no, it's all about you know just just learning and and moving forward and and bettering ourselves. And yeah, there's yeah. you know there's definitely a lot of positives in uh, in a negative situation. 
Yeah, I think it's great the outlook that you've taken with it. So if you were to so next time you head out to sea, you've got your new boat, you fixed your face, you're ready to rumble. What are you doing differently? Yeah, so definitely that morning I didn't log on with um, with VMR, so I think that's probably a, a lesson learned there. Mm. Uh, the other funny thing I wanted to tell you is um, they asked me to let off a, a flare, and uh, and here I am. I've you know I'm all injured and all shaken, and I've gone to the flare bag. I pulled out the flare, and I'm like, oh Jesus, what did, what did, what do they say? How do we use these again? And try to read the instructions, and I've let it rip and nearly shot myself and and caught myself on fire and caused myself another injury. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And it turns out I let the uh, the orange flare off, and it's the the red flare for uh, for night time because it was dark by then. So yeah, good lesson: orange in day and uh, and red at night. Yeah. Well, another thing that people just don't really have any practical knowledge on, unless you've been to the soccer World Cup or something, you know, <laughs> or like, Fed Square when the soccer is. <laughs> like most people, most people in their lifetimes are not going to set a flare off until they really need it. So yeah, a bit of book work or a little bit of knowledge about that would go a long way so that it becomes autonomous for when you are in a situation like you were in where you are shaken up. Um, it needs to be, you know, that's exactly what I need to grab right now and, and um, you know, you, you've got the knowledge ready to go. It becomes second nature. Yeah, I, th- I think we spend so much time, you know, work kids and, and get out for a fish and we, we rig all the gear and have everything ready and kind of put safety to the back. But, um, yeah, no, so so doing differently. So I've, I've also gone and bought a PLB, um, so that's yep. all registered and, and stays on my person. So one of the things that VMR said to me which really hit me pretty hard was um, to that they've never had a successful rescue at night time when a boat's gone in the water, well, you know, when the boat's gone down and the people wow. have gone in the water. So yep. that really, I don't know about you guys, but that really hits home for me, you know, due yep. to, you know, blood, sharks, drowning, um, you know, we've, we're so lucky not to have knocked ourselves out and, um, you know, uh, broken any any real bones or, um, you know, people have had broken necks from, from similar injuries. So, mm. you know, that really hits home that, that no one's ever been rescued or had a good rescue in the when they've entered the water at night time. So. That's Oof. very scary to hear. And also, I suppose we don't think about it this way, but your boat is part of your safety equipment. So invest mm. that little bit of extra money in making sure your boat is positively buoyant. Yeah, yeah, that that bit of foam fill or that that air pocket, and um, you know, I was just lucky. I had, I had no idea, but um, it would have given us something to hang on to for a while if um, if the boat did go down. I believe the uh, the EPIRB either turned off an hour later, or you know, by one of the rescuers, or um, or the boat did actually go motors down, turned down, and and did go down about an hour later. So that I'll I'll never know, but we could have ended up in the in the drink very quick. Yeah. So, so where is the, so the boat currently? Is it at the bottom of the ocean, or did it get retrieved? <laughs> <laughs> good, good question. So, um, yeah. So, pretty much what happens uh, in that situation is, um, you know, maritime safety, water police, they're, they're tracking the vessel and they're giving me reports every couple of days. Once I um, once I got past all the the hospital stuff, which we'll get into next. But um, but yeah, no, they were tracking it. They were um, sending VMR and water police out, see where it is, and I'm not sure if they had a GPS tracker, but I was getting updates with GPS numbers, and um, all of a sudden, David, it went quiet, I believe, um, you know, it went to the, pretty much the insurance company own it as, as soon as something like that happens, um, and it was up to them whether they wanted to salvage and, and whatever else, but I, I assume, and I've, the only feeling, it's only speculation, is that um, someone from 
the government agency or somewhere has gone out and put a hole in it and actually let it go because, um, you know, I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but, uh, you know, look at the risk of it floating around the ocean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and obviously not worth them recovering in the state that it was in, I suppose. It, exactly right, yeah. And, you know, we, we just didn't want any other boats to hit it. They were calling over the radio, you know, at its location and to, to keep an eye out. But, no, it just went quiet in all seriousness. So um, I've got no idea, but if, um, if wow. the Queensland government would like to send me the GPS numbers, I think I'd have some good snapper and pearlies on it in the next few years. So. <laughs> yeah, that's the least you can get out of that deal, I think, is a good fishing spot. <laughs> Hey, I got a I got a quick question about uh, uh, Morton Bay, and um, I made a made a j- joke on the last uh, few podcasts about GTs, the origin of GTs, not the GTs that you might think of normally, Dave, but apparently uh, that is the origin of the GT there, Morton Bay, the giant toadfish with the huge beak. That's where they're from. My dad went up there one time and hired a tinny with his mate. And they just had a great day on the GTs. Apparently, is that true? Is there GTs in Morton Bay there? Oh, gin and tonic. Um, yeah, no, about <laughs> that fish, I'm I'm not too sure, Joey. But uh, something I haven't gone out to target just yet. Uh, okay. Well, I pray you don't meet them because they've wreaked havoc on the sword grounds this year, biting everyone's line off. People losing thousands of dollars worth of gear. But um, yeah, Joey, that's a really good. Joseph question where you've just gone off on a real tangent. So. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I just had to throw one in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I think it's a good thing for you boys too, you know, running out to the saw grounds as well in, in winter that, um, you know, just, just to have that in your mind. I don't want to scare anyone off from fishing. I'll, I'll definitely be going back out. And, you know, Dan, um, my mate that was injured as well, um, broken nose and a fractured cheekbone and, and many surgeries um, to go on with and, uh you know, I don't think he's as confident as me, but, um, you know, as we all know, it's part of your life and it makes you happy and it's what you do. So I, I just need to get back on the horse. Yes, and uh, and that'll be a great day when you can back get back out there, Sully. So you, you briefly mentioned some of the injuries you'd suffered. What was the recovery like there and what was the process? Yeah, so pretty much, um, yeah, once we got picked up, straight back in, there was three ambulances waiting. We managed to walk off the boat. Uh, that was after Dan and I were a bit cold. We stripped off and had a cuddle, but <laughs> we um, no, we we got off the boat and um, three ambulances waiting. And yeah, they pretty much just got us in and, and started hitting us with morphine and all the good painkillers. And oh. um, the rest is a, a little bit of blur until we got to the hospital. Yeah, so and, and um, how are you feeling I, now at the minute? Yeah, no, look all good, Joey. The the jaws, you know, still got a bit of swelling. Uh, the the big scar on my chin where everything sort of came out is, is sort of healing up and blending in. And um, oh, now that, it's just the teeth, mate. That looks tough. It looks like a real man of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely, uh, definitely beat me up. Hopefully you got some show, some photos there for your viewers and, and your listeners. But, um, yeah, so, no, that's um, it's pretty much the teeth now. So I, I managed to knock one clean out. Uh, which the hospital asked me, have you, have you got your tooth? And I'm like, mate, I'm lucky to be here. I, I wouldn't know where the tooth is, you know, be in yeah. the boat somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so I knocked one clean out uh, and then I think I've managed to sort of damage at least another five. Uh, so it looks like I'll need a, another three surgeries for dental implants, which is pretty much where they, they drill a starter bar into your teeth and uh, into, your, into your jaw and they, they screw, a, um, screw a tooth on. So and I'm that- hoping to come out looking like Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And do you have health insurance, Sully? No, no. So the best thing about this, um, probably no different to your TAC. So once you let the EPIRB off or, you know, once it 
becomes like a government rescue, um, no different to a road accident. So everything um, from the rescue to, you know, anything trying to get you back on track is, is actually covered by the government as part of your taxes and your, you know, eligibility to work and, and your driver's licence. So everything, you know, touch wood is, is covered from that side of things, yeah. Wow. Oh, well, that's really good to hear because that would have been ridiculously expensive otherwise. So. Oh, absolutely. Dental, the professional dental surgery costs a fortune. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, good. 100%. That, and that's that's really what I wanted to get out of this, guys. And, um, you know, it's just to thank the, the water police, VMR, um, Coast Guard, and then, and then just the nurses, mate, you know, like – the nurses and the ambulance and the doctors. I, I'm pretty sure a lady there. You know, one of the lovely nurses. I was I was pretty much um, bleeding for hours, which we we couldn't stop the bleeding. They're actually worried that I grew a second tongue. I had all these interns coming in and looking at me like, "Oh, you're the, the guy with the double tongue that's you know might not breathe." They're ready to jam a, something into my throat just to get me breathing. But um, yeah, they they were all just amazing. You know, they really were, and and just the community support and friends and family and everyone reaching out is. Uh, is what makes it special and, and fishing such great sport. It does. So hang on, what's this double tongue thing? Your tongue was split in half or it just got so swollen? Yeah, no, it just, just got so swollen, yeah. So um, just under my tongue really from the impact is just blown right up to the point where I, I really couldn't breathe through my mouth, only the nose. So, um, okay. yeah, it was, uh, it was funny. Yeah, it was like Grey's Anatomy with all these like weird little geeky kind of lovely doctors in, in training just there going, you know, you're the tongue, double tongue guy. Can we come and have a look? This is amazing. You know? I just can't imagine that. Isn't it incredible? No, and, yeah, like you said, our first responders, they are true heroes of, of the, the world, really. Um, amazing people, selfless. So, yeah, great to hear that that side of things all went as well as could be expected. So how, how did your friends and extended family react to this uh, in the aftermath of the incident? Yeah, so, so a lot of support, a lot of messages and a lot of calls and, you know, people couldn't actually, you know, work out that I could kind of talk. Um, so a lot of messages and um, and just support, which was was unbelievable. And, um, you know, there was one night I was sitting there on the couch and um, my wife's like, oh, a couple of mates want to do a Teams meeting. I'm like, oh, yeah, great, you know, no worries. She's like, are you up to it? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so I log in and there's 23 of um, my best mates and acquaintances and fishing mates from, from Melbourne and um, and here they all are on a Teams chat, which was uh, completely blew me away. Oh. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It's good to have them. Yeah, friends. so uh, yeah, you got one in Joey or not really? Um, every now and then, yeah. <laughs> no, he's a, Joey's a, a bloody legend. Good person. Yeah, no, he... Is but um, yeah, so the amazing thing about that, um, long story short, you know, I was pretty down and flat. You know, you go through a lot of ups and downs and, and flat points, and oh, what if I could have died? And you know, your mind wanders, and um, yeah, so they they cheered me up with a, an amazing donation between the you know, the 22 of them. You know, this isn't big business or anything, this is just guys like us that were all paying a big mortgage and, and struggling with the cost, and uh. Yeah, they um, they chipped in and, and they really wanted to get going so I could, you know, get back on the water and, um, you know, I can't disclose any any money or it's not even the point, just due to insurance and everything's still ongoing. But, um, you know, just, just amazing, really picked me up. I think uh, I was wow. sleeping at about 9 o'clock each day and the next morning I bounced out of bed at 6 a.m. and, and was just blown away, no words to those those 22. And, and I'm sure there was more people that wanted to help but it, it sort of get, started getting a bit out of hand uh, from what I'm told. So, um you know, just just so many amazing people. There were some people there that I wasn't quite, you know, close with, but um, but always held in good regard, and was always nice to, and and just the donations from them is is just mm. unbelievable. 
Well, actually, it was probably kept under wraps a little bit, Sully, because the first I heard of it was when you sent us a message and told me a little bit about what was what had happened. I couldn't believe it. It's um, yeah, it's an unbelievable experience that you've had, one that uh, you'd hope that we won't see happen again. But I mean, is yeah, there's always that possibility out there, and, and and as we've been saying, guys down here in Victoria probably do need to pay attention to this because every year we get more and more whales come through. And a lot of our fishing is long distance where guys are running out, you know, they're spending two, three hours running out in the dark. And um, I think everyone just thinks it won't happen to them, but there is every chance that um, something like this could happen. And in some of these remote areas, we we want to get the message across that people need to be well prepared as I'm sure that you will be in the future. Yeah, no, 100%, mate, yeah. It's just that, that EPIR. But the other things with life jackets, Dave, you know, and what I'd do different is um, a lot of guys have actually started using like a, a, a strap in, in the top of their cabin there and just put the jackets up there hanging from like a tarp or, you know, like those kind of ones you put on the back of your ute, um, you know, just to have them up there and, you know, where your EPIRB's located, uh, people are talking about life cells. I don't know if you've seen these life cells, but... Yeah. Um, amazing bit of kit have you have you seen them boys or yeah i have and i'm gonna i'll, I'll overlay that on this um podcast at the moment so guys listening and watching can can check them out but um well do you want to let everyone know a little bit more about that that product yeah so so pretty much with the life cell it's um it's, it's pretty much a, a buoyant box really which which carries your safety gear and and some of your epurbs and um, just everything you would need in a rescue and um, I'm pretty sure it can hold up to about four or five adults in the water and, and keep you afloat while, while rescue, you know, while the, the government agencies come out. So um, apart from that, mate, yeah, I, I don't know too much more about it but I think for a small fee it would be amazing to um, to get on board and, you know, maybe see if they come to the party with some, some support, you know. I, th- I think there's also some jackets that do have built-in EPIRBs, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I re- Definitely remember uh, fishing with Fergie. He, he had a jacket like that. Um, yeah. Oh, he, he, Joe, he probably had a PLV which he just tucked into the like the pocket of the jacket itself, which is what Sully's saying he's now got, which I think is an awesome product as well. I mean, having that beacon on your person is probably a really good idea. Yeah, yeah, especially for 400 bucks, you know, and, and I remember 10 years ago, I used to laugh at a couple of my good mates there for uh, for carrying one going, you know, what are you doing that for? And, you know, you're holding us up, we'll get your stuff together, let's go. And, um, you know, I used to laugh and um, and after this, I tell you what, it's, um, you know, those guys were years ahead in um, in safety and what we should be doing and, uh, you know, you don't really need it till you need it and let's hope you never need it. Yeah, and and maybe another thing I got from what you were saying is like a laminated checklist on the boat or stuck somewhere on the dash that has maybe your rego contact numbers and maybe a little run sheet of plans to put into place if an emergency does happen. I think that could be a good idea. A hundred percent. You know, we we put all these stickers on our vessels and um, you know on the outsides with names and everything. You know, for a small fee, you you've got all your your boat regos and details and you know it's uh, even to the colour and and whatever what it looks like really you know because you do forget and you're in shock and um you know so a few guys have done that and i think it's amazing it's um it's really what i want to want to get out of this for anyone that's willing to listen that you know let's try and join vmr they they work every weekend and day and coast guard down there and um you know they're all just people like us just um just donating their time and you know, you've got VHF courses, you know. I thought I could talk well over the radio and I've got no clue, you know. I, I really don't to, you know, Alpha Whiskey Bravo and, and all the lingo really. So I think um, joining VMR, logging in, 
supporting these guys, the voluntary uh, members, and and really just you know just doing and getting involved with the community. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, when I did my um coxswain's course, a lot a lot of those things are covered in there, which is like you know your first aid, a little bit of firefighting, VMR, um, BHF, radio, and um, some safety some safety precautions. And um, yeah, maybe it is something that needs to be introduced in a, at a lesser level into your, your standard boat license um, when people you know go and go and get their boat license here in Victoria or interstate even. Yeah, no, a hundred, hundred percent. You know, I, I said to the water police, you know, about the letting off the flare and things weren't perfect, and they're like, "Look, you know, you kept calm, you got rescued. We want to celebrate this. We don't get the the good outcomes all the time." And um, you know, I think um, there is a lot of positives to take out of this, and um, you know, there's a lot of good jokes going around at my expense. You know, a few <laughs> nicknames: Dave, Joey, Whale Boys, one, um, Moby, Moby Dick. <laughs> Captain Captain Ahab is another, so um, I've really enjoyed it. To be honest, like uh, I think you've really got to make the best of a bad situation, and um, I am chasing a new boat name too. So if, uh, if anyone's got any ideas, shoot them through. Oh well, I think. Oh well, can... it's not called Moby Dick, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can get some good suggestions come through from our listeners, and we'll pass them on to you, Sally. But um, yeah, so thanks heaps for coming on, mate. It's been an absolutely ripping tail of the ocean and uh we hope that you are well on your way to recovery if not recovered and we look forward to you getting back out on the water mate because we i've been following your queensland journey from afar and getting jealous and um i'd be quite happy for you to keep making me jealous if it means you're back out there on the ocean mate so uh best of luck with it all nah 100 percent, dave thanks joey and um yeah no Sully, just from me to you, buddy. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're still with us. So, yeah, it's an incredible, <laughs> incredible story, mate. Um, yeah, I only heard little bits and bobs of it, but yeah, I'm, um, yeah, happy to hear all, all has ended well this time. No, I re- really appreciate it. And, and saying that, Joey, things do travel. Uh, I can't believe it. You know, Dan just got approached by Murph Hughes at the boat show. He's like, oh, Dan, I, I hear you had a, a thing for the whale, you know. Like it, it just, it really does and uh, it travels and people reach out and without that support, you know, me and Dan would be uh, would be very flat. So, um, you know, thanks to everyone for the for the support and um, and for the chip-ins and for the well wishes and, you know, it's just uh, honestly got no words blown away. And, yeah, I look forward to probably going to eat a steak will be the first thing after these surgeries, go and sit down and just hoe into a nice big ribeye because I'm um, still on the juice and the uh, and the soup diet for another probably six, seven weeks. And, um, oh. yeah, it's, it's good for the waistline though, boys, I tell you, good for <laughs> That's summer. slimming. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, have to get good, on <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah. I actually said that to the to the boys that really helped me out, the, the special twenty two and the part time pirates, and uh, they're the solid support crew. And um, yeah, I just said, look, boys, you but you guys have been so amazing. I, I might go and hit another one next week. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, no worries. Just, just not, positive. Yeah, not not the diet that I'll be um, not, I'll be taking on the old have to hit a whale diet. But yeah, I'm glad it's working wonders for you, Sully, and. Um, just to end, uh, congrats on the tea tree win, mate. Well done. <laughs> I was hoping you didn't bring that up, Dave. But, uh, look, you, you'll get there one day, mate. Wow. Well, it's, it's finished a, now. It's so. a little bit harder now, but, um, you know, I still hold out hope. I still hold out, hold out hope, sorry. Uh, that's good, mate. That's good. <laughs> we can all dream. 
All right, mate. That's um, it. You enjoy yourself, and uh, we will um, get a bit of an update from you down the track. And uh, good yeah. luck with everything. All good, boys. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Sally. Good on you, mate. Cheers, Sally. See you, boys. Bye bye. How good was that, Joey? Ah, that's that is really incredible, <laughs> mate. It's um, I think probably the thing that hit home there was where Sully mentioned that he'd called home to his wife, and at that point he didn't know if he was going to actually survive or not. Like that's that's some heavy, heavy stuff that you you go out for a day on the water, you don't expect to be having to consider these sort of things. So yeah, uh, and and especially you know that his wife wouldn't have heard him talk properly. Yeah, he would have thought that. That could have been the last phone call. That's just full on. Yeah, and, and and it didn't. It's not just whales. I mean, you, there's obstructions in the water everywhere. Oh so, yeah, you know, it's it's certainly something that we need to be very mindful of. And I hope that um, this tale of the deep puts that into a few people's brains, and they can uh, have a bit of a think about it. When you're that far offshore, you never think that you're going to hit something in the wide open ocean. Not the case. No, that's right. So, yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed that. Uh, that's going to be it from us tonight at Wind Against Tide headquarters. A couple of little things to quickly mention is obviously boat show coming up 26th to the 29th of October. Looking forward to seeing everyone there. We'll have our merch and be doing some live podcasts with some of our favourite fishing identities. Jonah Yick from Tasmania will be in the house. Suraj Ray will be with us as well. King Kong, Donkey Kong man himself. Yes. And then after that, we've got a... Uh, live podcast evening at Berwick Poker Face, same place as our last one, to kick off season three of fishing with Fergie. So that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully, everyone can get down there again. I think there's going to be pizzas again, and there's a bar. So um, and uh, if anyone knows uh, Peter Ferguson, they know that uh, he's amazing at getting some fantastic prizes. So I know he's uh, he's pulling he's pulling out the red carpet for his season premiere. Look of number for- three. <laughs> Look forward to that one, Joey. Let's wrap this one up for tonight and we'll uh, see everyone next week. So goodbye all.